welcome to Fruiting Buddy Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have an absolute legend of a guest making her first appearance. It is Danielle Wolf. She is the three-time U.S. national boxing champion, real estate mogul, mogul life coach, and she's here in Phuket, Thailand, training over at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, how we do on this podcast, we like to just jump right into it. Don't like, don't subscribe. Let's get it started right away with uh, Danielle Wolf. Thank, first, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. I think we probably were chatting about... Well, I was rambling about Bitcoin and talking about real estate. (laughs) We're going to get into all that um, and specifically what you're doing in San Diego with the real estate stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We obviously love to share those stories about what brings you to Thailand and what you're doing here um, and and maybe what's bringing you back. But first, let's start with Daniel. Um, Daniel, where are you from originally? Let us know a little bit about your life and your backstory. Yeah. Um, So I'm originally from York, Pennsylvania, small country town. Uh, We share the road with Amish people you know, riding the horse and buggies. Um, So yeah, very small town. You know, my mom had the same bus driver that I had, you know, growing up. Um, So if I would have stayed in that town, I would have had kids, they would have had the same bus driver. Um, So very small town. Um, But yeah, so I played every sport growing up. I played field hockey, basketball, track, soccer, softball. I went to college on a sports scholarship. Which, Um, uh, Which college was it? Millersville University. In, in Pennsylvania? Yes, oh, in okay. Pennsylvania. And then, uh, so I had a full ride there, played field hockey, basketball and track, did the heptathlon and track, which is seven events. Um, so yeah, I've been playing sports pretty much every single day of my whole life. You were doing that at a very young age. <laughs> yes. I'm yep. also, I'm a hockey player too. Oh, nice. I got my gear here. I'm actually going to Chiang Mai, December 15th. We have a hockey tournament. Um, they have a rink, a hockey rink. I know your your, your field hockey. Yeah, yeah. But they have a rink uh, at the Boat Avenue side. Okay. The issue is with the traffic, it's just such a nightmare. But mm. yeah, I've been playing hockey in Asia for like 12, 15 years. Oh, that's and, cool. And Canadian since we're two yeah. years old. Um, but hockey must be, it must be big in Pennsylvania as well. But yeah. usually for females, they do prefer field hockey. What was your first sport when you first started? First sport? Uh, probably softball. Yeah. I played softball. Every sport I played for like 10 years. So like, so it was really funny. Like I didn't see my first boxing glove till I was 25 years old. So like it was pretty much starting all over. I could have picked any sport and kind of ran with it, um, you know, because I was really good at all the sports. But, uh, but yeah, like softball I played like 10 years, basketball like 15 years, field hockey like I don't know, 10 years. Like every sport was like 10 years. And then when I was 25, um, I moved out to California for life coaching. Uh, so I ran my own my own thing there, and after a year of that, I saved up like a good chunk of change. I had like eighty grand, and and I was like, okay, do I go back to athletics? Because that was the first year I didn't compete in any sports, and I hated it. Um, I was just like, man, this is like the first year of my life. I had a real job, and um, I wasn't, I didn't, I never went to the gym and lifted weights or anything my whole life. Like never stepped foot in a gym ever. Didn't know how to run on a treadmill at the age of 25 like that's it blows my mind now but like back then I never hit a gym I was always on fields or tracks or whatever um you know I I never did strength training or anything I don't think uh I mean we're probably a similar age when I I was born 85 but when I was in high school or that time nobody was a runner really we just played the sports so I can I can relate I'm from a small town as well maybe 30,000 um so when when you're actually getting into the boxing and you're starting it, I read a little bit a little bit about your backstory and you had that mm-hmm. challenge like, hey, you know, 
tryouts or training it's coming in two weeks you're like fuck it i'm ready to go can you walk us through that process and and starting off boxing in that whole career because again 25 starting a boxing career it's not a young age yeah yeah so it was it was so funny so i remember this is how i got introduced to boxing i was i just started running so so i decided after a year of being a life coach i saved the chunk of change and i was like all right i'm gonna take the next two years off and I'm going to just pick a sport and see how far I can go with it. And then I remember I was like, okay, do I want to do WNBA? Do I want to do Team USA field hockey, Team USA soccer? Um, you know, what sport do I want to, like, go all into? And then I was like, you know what? I, I briefly, right before college, um, got into mountain biking professionally. I went from beginner to expert pro in just two races. And, and I loved it. But then because a preseason started, my coach found out I was racing. And she was like, if I find out you get injured, like you're losing your scholarship. And I was like, oh, need college. Went, you know, quit doing the mountain biking. But I loved mountain biking. I was really good at it. I was really good at triathlons. Um, I ran I ran a triathlon with uh, a bunch of my buddies. Like 10 of my buddies were doing this triathlon. They were training for months when I was in college. And they were like, they're all betting on who's going to win. I was like, I'll do this this triathlon I won't even train for it and I was like I'll beat all of you and they're like yeah right la 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 someone's who's gonna win then second that they're so I didn't train running or race I mean or um I didn't train swimming so I didn't train swimming at all and then when I was I was like I'm gonna do the race so I I entered the race with them and I backstroked the whole swim because I like couldn't swim and breathe at the same time so I won the whole triathlon by backstroking the whole race so so I was just like man I really um, you know, fast forward, I was like, I really miss the extreme sports, like the mountain bike racing, the triathlons, like the longer endurance races. And I was just like, you know what, that's going to be the sport I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick, you know, ultra, um, triathlons and, you know, 24 hour races, Ironmans. I want to be like extreme racer, 24 hour races, all of that. Um, so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So after I saved the money doing the life coaching, I moved down to Pacific beach. It's a younger area. I was living in Rancho Santa Fe. So I moved down to Pacific Beach, and I just started running, like, every day, trying to, like, up my miles. I didn't work out for a year. So I was just, like, I was still, like, you know, jacked and muscular, but I, I needed to, like, lean out and just get um, my miles up. So I started running every single day. Every day, no lie, every single day I was getting stopped by someone, um, and they would ask me if I was a fighter. So that's how this whole thing started. So... Somebody would be like, oh, hey, you know, are you a fighter? And I'd be like, uh, fighter for what? <laughs> you know, like I didn't know what they were talking about. And then the next day, and they're like, oh, no, a fighter. And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a fighter. It's weird question to ask a chick running. Next day, I, I'd be running again, and somebody would stop me again. Like, hey, what gym do you fight out of? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And then, like, you're a fighter. I'm like, no, I'm not a fighter. I'm like, what the heck? And, and it was such, like, a weird time in my life. I was, like, at such a crossroads of, like, okay, do I want to take this money and start growing my business, you know, because a lot of families wanted me to life coach their families as well. But I was only one person, so I could only do a couple families at a time. So I was like, okay, I could hire people. Now that I have the savings, I could hire people so I could take on more families and then pay them a salary, blah, blah, blah. I was like, or do I take this money? I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to get into patent law. So I was like, okay, I've always wanted to go to law school, get into patent law. You know, I could finally do it. I saved the money. Um I was like, or do I take the two years off? So I was like really like at this weird crossroads of like, okay, what, what do I do, you know? And then just speaking to so many of my older friends and 
um, you know, just really like talking it through to people. And I, I was praying to God. I'm like, God, can you just write it in the clouds? Like, what is the right, you know, choice for me, you know? And I don't want to waste this money. Is this the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. And then you only live once. And then you only have your youth once. Blah, blah, blah. Like all this stuff. And this is all before the age of 25. Yeah. I That's was a like lot to take 24 in. and a half. You know? Jesus. Yeah. These, these are like, ex, you know, these, these crises people have at the age of like 35. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So then like no lie. Then the next day I'm running again. Somebody's like, hey, you know, like what style of fighter are you? And I'm like, this is insane. No lie. It was like every single day. I'm like. Maybe this is the clouds, you know, like this is the clouds I've been asking God to like write it in. Mm. Next day I'm at a lunch place. This guy's walking back and forth when my friend and I, uh, you know, we're eating lunch and he's like, hey, are you a fighter? And I'm like, this is insane. Is my nose messed up? Like, what the heck? Why is everybody asking me this? I was so mad. And then it just kept going. Like that was not even the last story. I could keep saying more examples. So anyway, finally, I went to a radio hostess, um, like interview like they were trying to make this like like kind of like this you know back then and uh so they were looking for a radio female personality I went for the interview and then I made the final interview I go to the back and when I go to the back office the guy has all these like boxing promotion like posters hung up so I didn't think anything of it I like sit down I have a shirt on like this and and this guy's like uh what the hell do you do and then I was like excuse me and he's like are you a fighter? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at an interview for goodness sakes, you know? And I'm just like, why does everybody think I'm a fighter? So then I was like, no, I'm an athlete, I've been an athlete my whole life. And he's like, do you ever get in a fight before? And I was like, this is, this is getting out of control. I'm like, I'm getting so annoyed. I'm like, I must look like beat up. <laughs> like, I'm like, what the heck? And then, uh, so then the guy was like, have you ever tried it? And I was like, no. And I was like, he's like, you never got in a fight. I was like, no, I'm not an idiot. And then, uh, and I was like, and I'm like, jacked and like six foot tall and like people don't usually mess with me and then uh and he was just like well he's like meet me at this gym tomorrow and like you should try it out I was like you know what I was like this has been like two weeks worth of like everyone asking me I was like I'm just gonna try it out you know it's the only sport I haven't done you know um so then yeah so I went to the gym I tried it out and it was so cool it was it was like the challenge I've been seeking my like whole life you know I think that's why I was attracted to like mountain biking that's like 25 miles on like rocky terrain, uphill, downhill. You got to snap out of your bike, run through the creek. You're like, it's just so like this complex. It's extreme sport. This, yeah. all, like you're saying, ultra, if you're doing ultra triathlons, all, anything. Yeah, like yeah. Ultra just size. something that's like your brain is like, I don't want to do this. And then like you're like, no, we're doing this. Let's find that next level. Let's find that next spot. And then training out around and outside of that to like get better and better and better. And then just putting yourself like in such uncomfortable situations so that you're better next time and next time and next time. And you just are just rising to just every situation, you know? So, um, so yeah. So when I did it, I was just like, wow, like rotating your hips is just like hitting a baseball, you know, and, and throwing a baseball. And then like just the footwork and moving around your opponent is like playing defense and basketball. And then like just footwork, like soccer. So like all my sports I played my whole life, like kind of all came together, but not even close to coming together, you know? Like, it's just the natural athleticism I had. Yeah, I, th I think once, once you're a natural athlete, it, it just, like, yeah. look at these, uh, like, guys like Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. He's uh, obviously the, one of the greatest of all time basketball players. And then you put him on the golf course, and he's hitting, like, 40-foot putts from, like, downhill. Yeah. It's just once you're a natural athlete, you can quickly adapt to, to anything. Yeah. So when you're getting into the boxing side, obviously when you're first learning, you're not really sparring. And everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth yeah, can sure. you recall that like 
first experience boxing when you finally got, you know, you took a shot and you're like, okay, wait a minute, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, I mean, and that's, and you have to get hit to, to get used to getting hit, you know? So, so yeah, let's see if I can go back. So I remember I was like sparring way too big of guys. Like I got to a point where I was like gun shy because the guys I was sparring, I probably shouldn't have been sparring these huge white Russian guys, you know, but, um, but yeah, this, my, you know, I had a guy who was being my coach for a while and, um, yeah, it was, it was wild in the beginning, but then once you get, you know, good and, and then, you know, like what you should be training with, then, you know, like this is a safe situation. This is not a safe situation and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I mean, I definitely was in the ring. But as like, so you're, you're a featherweight, I'm assuming. Oh, like uh, well to well. Uh, well, well, yeah. Well, no, I mean, in, uh, probably an MMA. Yeah, MMA featherweight. Featherweight, female featherweight. Okay, so I was basing it on that. Now, I mean, when you're training boxing, there's there can't be that many other women at the gym that are like your size of build, fit, ready to go. So, is that kind of what forced you to be training with the boys? Uh, yeah. I mean, back back when I started boxing, um, you know, I like you asked me the question like, oh, like how did you get in? How did you learn about boxing? Um, I'll go back to that question because it is pretty funny, uh, a funny answer. So I called the Olympic Training Center and I asked them like, hey, you know, like how, how do you become the national champion? How do you become, uh, no, I didn't say that. I said, how, how do you make Team USA? That's right. So I was like, how do you make Team USA? And they were like, oh, you have to be the national champion. I'm like, okay, how, how does someone become a national champion? Like you have to go to nationals. How can someone enter in nationals? You have to have at least five fights. Okay, where, where do you get these five fights from? As long as they're USA Boxing sanctioned anywhere in the U.S. So I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, they're like, so how long have you been boxing? And I was like, one week. <laughs> and they were like, uh, yeah, there's, there's no way. Like, this is realistic. Like, these girls have been boxing since they were like, no. Then they asked me how old I was. They're like, how old are you? I was like 20, about to be 25. And they're like, yeah, they're like way too old. And then, like, everybody's been boxing since they were, like, five and six, and they've been, like, national champions for years. And, and I was like, well, I've been an athlete since I was, like, five or six. And, and I was like, and I'm pretty good at all the sports I play. And so it was so funny to hear this from the training center. I would pay, like, $10,000 to have that phone call, you know, recorded. Just keep that recorded. Yeah. Everyone's like, just tilt the mic a bit towards you. Oh, okay. It's, no, it's fine. I'll probably just, okay, that's good. Like this? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you're still kind of having to go through the process. Yeah. Did they, did you just have to go out and kind of find those first five fights and take it step by step? Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. So, like, I remember, like, the boxing coach that I was working with, he's like, all right, we're going to get you, we're going to get you your first fight. So, I go, you know, to get my first fight. She had, like, five or six fights or something. It was, like, her gym, like, her little area and everything. They had posters made, like, beat that model's face and all this stuff. And, like, it was, like, so ridiculous. And so, so yeah, I remember I, it was the first time I ever had cut weight before. Like, so I'm, like, in this, I'm, like, running on the treadmill with plastics on and Albaline and, like, just drenched, you know. It was the first time I ever, because she was, like, way lighter than me. So, like, you, you have to make her weight. And then I was just, like, oh, okay. And I had no idea how to cut weight. So I'm just running and running. So then I'm, like, dead. So as I walk up into the ring, I was, like, my legs are, like, shaking. And I was, like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I don't know how long I can last, you know, because I cut weight and never did it. And so then I was like, I got to knock this chick out, you know, I was like, because my legs aren't going to last. So I go in and I'm just like swinging like for knockouts, like all knockouts. And I finally did knock her out. 
in the first round. And I was like, thank goodness, because I don't think my legs are going to make it. So my first five fights were all knockouts. Mm. So in San Diego, we couldn't find any fights for me because my first three in San Diego were knockouts. So then we actually, like, snuck to L.A. And, like, we'd be the first ones to weigh in. They would, like, match us. I'd be the first to weigh in and so that they couldn't see me. And, and then, yeah. And then my friend would dress up, like, in, like, a boxing outfit. So it looked like she was the opponent. And then me and my coach would go hit pads at the dumpster in the back alley. So the whole day, all the fights were going on, my opponent would be looking at my friend thinking she was the boxer. So this is how I got my last two fights. So then, then they would call our name, and we'd come out from the dumpster, like, in the back alley. Just then, so they, they wouldn't back out of the fight? Yeah, so they wouldn't back. Because everybody in San Diego, when I first started, like, my little amateur fights, um, they were all backing out, you know? Because mm -hmm. the, their girl just started, too, or maybe they had five fights, but then their coach didn't want them to go against me because they heard that I did knockouts, whatever. So, so yeah, so, so anyway, so then I finally got my five fights. But then I went to nationals, and it was, like, night and day difference of opponents. I remember I got hit, and I was like, whoa, this is, like, way it's different. It's not amateur hour anymore. Yeah, this is, like, you know, national, you know, level. So, so yeah, so then I won nationals, and then I made Team USA, and it was, like, the coolest experience in the world. Like, I got to travel all around the world, and I came from, like, small town Pennsylvania, so... Like, our biggest vacation was driving three hours to, like, Chicoteague, Virginia, or Ocean City, Maryland, you know? That was, like, our big thing. But, uh, so, yeah, so now, like, getting to go, you know, travel all around the world to, like, South Korea and Jeju and, um, you know, all around Canada, you know, Venezuela, Guadalajara. We got to go all around, so it was how, really How cool. many years were you doing that for? Uh, so, I was undefeated for four years, and then... Um, so the bummer was, this is like the bummer story. So I started boxing around like 2012. So female boxing just made it into the Olympic Games. So I was just like, oh man, like, you know, when I'm Googling like, okay, like what, you know, what, where can I go with female boxing, right? Like, what can I really do? And so I'm like Googling it. And then I was like, oh, female boxing was just added to the Olympics for 2012. Like it just happened. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, I could start now, you know, win nationals, stay on the team for four years, get enough experience, and then win gold in the Olympics in 2016. Like, that was, like, my plan. And then when I was in first grade, like, it was so funny that Fox or Sports did a story. They, like, went to my hometown, found my first grade teacher, and she, like, found the drawing that was, like, she asked everybody in the class in first grade, like, what do you want to do when you get older? And then everybody's, like, fireman, teacher, blah, blah, blah. I drew, like, Olympic rings, and I was, like, I want to be in the Olympics. And so the story would have been awesome if my weight class would have mm -hmm. been added in 2016. But anyway, so there's only three weight classes added in 2012 and 10 men weight classes. So 10 men, three women. What was the highest weight class for women at that it point? It was 165. So you'd have to be cutting like 20, oh, plus, plus your I weight. would have to go up. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was ah, 152. Well, oh, okay. Yeah, so I fought ah. 152. There was 165, and then there was like 132. And okay. then there was like 116, right? So I would have had to go to like like seventy five so that then you could oh, sorry, cut. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Sometimes my brain, it's it, I'm thinking in kg and I'm thinking yeah. it's like sixty two. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So you would have to go up like almost fifteen twenty up, pounds. Up up up. Yeah. yeah. How big are those girls? Jesus. Yeah, they're big. They're like, big. are they as tall as you, and they just pack tons like, of muscle, or are like, they are they fatter? Both. Yeah, you know, so I mean, sometimes, like, butts huge, okay. like, legs huge, like, just solid lower, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, some are tall. Some are, like, my height or taller. Some two inches taller. But this Wild. is, like, the heavyweight division of yeah. females. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, 
Um, but they promised me when I made Team USA, they were like, oh, they're like, we're like 99.9% sure we're going to add your weight class to us 16. So I was like, oh, I'm going to stay on the team. I'm going to stay reigning champ. Like I won continental championships, which is pretty much like a little mini Olympics. So those are every two years. Um, so I won both. So I won every two years continental championships, which there's only like three of us that did that. Um, and then like I would win world championship titles and national golden glove titles and like all different types of anything I could go to, I would go and I would win. So it was, it was exciting. I was like, man, I can taste the gold medal at the Olympic games in 2016. And then, and I was like, just like such on a high, like I was at my best and, and, uh, just so active in boxing. And then finally 2016, they made the announcement that they weren't adding two more weight classes, which mine was going to be one of them. And I was just like, no. So, so then I was trying to put on weight to go up and yeah, it just stunk. So then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go to MMA, you know, but then the Olympic committee was like, oh, if you wait till 2020, you know, we're going to add the Olympic games. I mean, your weight class, to the Olympic games in 2020. And I was just like, I don't want to wait that long. Um, I've always wanted to do MMA anyway. Like the only reason why I stayed on Team USA that long and didn't cross over to MMA sooner was just because of the Olympic Games. I really wanted to get gold in 2016. And you're still at an age. You must be what, 32, 33 at this point? Uh, like I mean, 29, 30. Yeah. So you're yeah. you're 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 still kind of in, you're in your prime to be yeah. able to go into MMA or if the yeah, Olympics. exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's just like you know, I'm like I need to make the decision. Do I really want to wait another four years? You okay. know. And like I had that business idea for real estate the whole time, but because I was traveling so much, I couldn't do it. So I just had this like golden egg just sitting there, you know, and I couldn't do it while I was on Team USA because like you're constantly like living at the Olympic Training Center for two months and you go to Venezuela for a month and then you come back to San Diego. Then you go, you know, train with your coaches, then you go back, then you're going to Guadalajara, then you go to Olympic Training Center. So it was just so much back and forth. Um, so what, so like at what point did you start to just kind of give up on the dream and say, you know what, I'm going to transition to MMA? Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, four years waiting for a possibility. Like I just had my heart ripped out of my chest for 2016 Olympic games, like ripped out of my chest. Um, so I was just like, do I want to risk waiting another four years, getting paid nothing, you know, and just like barely, like no one watches it. Like it's no money. So I was like, I'm sick of being poor. I'm sick of like just getting by. I'm sick of being like this smart and not using it to like create a future. You know what I mean? Um, so I was just like, I'm not going to risk another four years. So I, I just risked, just did four years. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, I, yeah, I was just like, I feel like I'm getting like dumber by not doing anything. You know what I mean? Just like training every day, living at a limit training center, not working. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I can't, I can't keep doing this, you know? So, so yeah, so that's when I, um, you know, a lot of different organizations were reaching out to me, um, like all the top ones in, in MMA. And then, you know, I met with a lot of them and they're just like, what's your plan? I was like, look, I don't even know how to throw a kick. I don't even know how to spell jujitsu. And I was like, so like, I need to like, I want to take my time. I want to make a journey out of this. I was, I felt so rushed with boxing. You know, I went from zero so then making the national team and then just like traveling all around the world with Team USA. And then just like had so much pressure on myself to like win gold for the Olympics 2016. So those four years was just like, ah, oh, you know, like just so rushed, you know. Um, you know, I had to make up so much time, you know. 
And, and I still feel like I'm doing that with MMA. But, uh, but anyway, I was just like, look, I want to take my time. I want to learn. I want to put the gi on. I want to learn jujitsu, you know? Um, and I was doing like jujitsu, like five hours a day, every day. And I won the IBJJ, the IBJJF world championships. Where, which, uh, was it in USA? In US. Or? Yeah. Okay. And, um, but it like little white belt, but I was like so proud of myself. I was like training five hours a day. And I was like, you know what? I want to like see where I stand, you know, in four, I was just doing it for four months. And then I did like world league championships, won double gold. And then all my friends, you know, that do jujitsu all the time. I was like, why aren't you guys signing up for IBJJF? And then they're like, cause we just do it as a hobby. And I was like, well, you should do it just to see it. They're like, you do it. I'm like, I'll do it. And then I did it. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I don't even think I was tying my belt right yet, but, uh, how, how quick is that transition? Because I saw you're on Dana White's Contender Series, but you after. said you took your time to get to that yeah. point. So, obviously, on, on paper, I'm assuming you've had amateur MMA fights before. No, no, no. no. You went right into... Cause, so I you've had, straight You've zero. had two or three fights. Uh, so, I had zero MMA fights. So, when I first started, I tried to get the amateur MMA fights. Yeah. But again, the same thing was happening. So, like, everybody would see my boxing record... And then nobody wanted to fight amateur MMA. I mean, over 20 people backed out. So somebody would be like, yeah, you know, she is 6-0, and and then I have 0-0. Zero zero. But then, like, they would do more research, and then they'd be like, she has, like, 100 boxing fights, you know? And then, so then they would back out, like, and I'd be, like, all, like, going for it for a month, and then they'd back out, like, two weeks before or whatever. And then, um, so that kept happening. So, like, I just kept training, and I wanted to get my feet wet, I wanted to get hit. I wanted to get like jumped on, tackled. I wanted, I wanted that, because um, that's the only way to test yourself, you know. Um, so I really, really wanted that, and I just could not find it. So I just was like, you know what? Just get the competition stuff out of your head and just be a student of the arts, you know. So I just like dove in, like to that's when I dove into jujitsu, and um, you know, then I would get, you know decent at jujitsu and I felt good against the black belts and I could defend myself. So then I'd be like, okay, now let's see if I can get a fight. Same thing. People would just say no, you know, to the fights. They'd say yes at first. And then I guess somebody would Google or whatever. So then I started taking down all the videos on my Instagram page, took down all, all my pad work videos, took everything down to try to see if I could still get someone. I still couldn't get a fight. So then I was just like, all right, I'm going to go to Thailand. I went out there for boxing before to teach boxing seminars so it's like I'm gonna go out there and just like engulf myself in kicking. Right? What year was this? Around sixteen? No, 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 no. So sixteen, it was like seventeen was when I started yeah. MMA. So then it was like seventeen to eighteen was like jujitsu. Um, yeah, so that was like jujitsu, and then so maybe around eighteen. Coming first, coming out to Thailand for kicking, but I came out to Thailand when I was just boxing as well. And you, so you were actually, where, where were you teaching the seminars over at Tiger? Tiger. Yeah. Tiger. And did they reach out to you or how did that come together? Yeah. They reached out to me. Yeah. They reached out to me to teach a boxing seminar. And I was like, mm. and that was the first time I ever traveled by myself, which I thought was like, it was like so cool. Like traveled by myself to like a whole different country. Cause usually it was always on Team USA um, that I would travel, but that was my first opportunity to travel by myself. And it was like so cool. I met so many friends and, and everybody's so awesome out here. Like, even the travelers from other countries. Like, everyone who comes out here, like, is just so happy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I was explaining this to someone the other day. It's like, like, in San Diego, it's like, there's so many people that are just like, they're miserable. They hate their job, or they hate this, or like, 
they hate these people or they all make excuses, whatever, you know, it's, it's, but like in Thailand, it's like, if they don't like something, they obviously left whatever they don't like and they came here for change, you and know? And now this is kind of maybe the, one of the last resorts you have to enjoy it, I think. Yeah, but Where it's like, it's like people want change. So they come here and then everybody's like ballsy enough to do that. You know, they're ballsy enough to travel or they're ballsy enough to take that next step to the change, whether if it's losing weight or to start a new chapter in life or whatever. So the people are just so much more open-minded and happy and just more pleasant. <laughs> you know, so I really like out you're out here doing the boxing seminar. Was it, was it a couple of weeks? Like when you're, when you're doing that, you know, it's, it's that time constraint. You got to go back home. And yeah. most people that leave here, the second they leave, it's how do I get back there? Did you yeah. feel that? Yeah. So I came out here for like, it was supposed to just be like two weeks. And then I remember I was like, man, I really like this so much. And I remember the coaching that I was getting at that time, like it wasn't as like I, when I train, like I like to train when I'm in a camp, I really like, I like regiment. I like structure. I, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, what, what time are we training at this? You know, I want structure, you know? Um, Cause then you can put your diet around it and you can be, and sometimes like it's difficult to get that, you know, but out here it's, 24 7 everyone's training you know like i could have 12 different coaches like all day like everybody wants to train whoever wants to train that's what i think is awesome about here and there's so many drilling partners there's so many um people that are just ready to work you know that's but you can't really get that awesome. at other gyms like in florida i mean there's so much opportunity yeah out there. top team I, I hear there's a lot of good gyms in florida yeah for sure but like my business is in san diego and um you know so I want to really make it work in San Diego. I want to get. Do you think so? On the real estate side, and we can go into that into a second. I mean, mm -hmm. if that's where that's where the business is, you got to be connected at the hip. Any type of business, wherever. Like I do work in China, and even China to Thailand is too far for me. Mm -hmm. um, but before we get into the real estate stuff, jumping a little bit into your backstory. I mean, this super athlete, the ability to pick up any sport and be dominant. I mean, does this run in the family, brothers, mother, your father? No. Where does this come from? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I was like... A genetic... Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, usually it's it's going to come from, like, what what, was your, what were your parents doing for work? I mean, were they involved in sports at all? Uh, No. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, so I'm like the middle child. And so I have a little sister and I have an older sister. We're all five years apart. And my older sister was kind of like... You know, she had glasses, a headgear, retainer, braces, you know. Uh, we were, like, totally opposite. And she was more of, like, school. Um, I was more, like, the jock. But I was good at school, too. I had straight A's and A's and B's, like, getting older. Um, I was really good at math. I was in advanced classes. But but I was, like, a jock for sure, you know. Um, I was, like, captain of all my teams. Um, but I didn't have, like, someone to, like, look up to of that. So I don't know where it came from. Um and then, like, my little sister, she was more of, like, yeah, I'll dabble in it. But, like, but she could quit, like, half season and not care. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like that. Like, I never missed a day of school. I, like, had to be captain of the team. I was leading scorer. I was leading defender. I was the first one at the end of the court, first one at the end of the field, first one back, foot, you know, in the court. So, I don't know. I think I just really, um, I just really liked setting goals. Like, I just saw, like, when you're a little kid, you know, in, like, elementary school, like, if you did well in class, like, you got more responsibilities. Like, you got to, like, hand out the papers. Like, 
So if the teacher liked you and you did a good job and you got good grades and, or let's just say you were number one in gym class or whatever, like the teacher would use you for whatever, or she would use you as an example, or you got to go run to the principal's office. Like, so I liked the extra tasks that you would get by doing a good job, like the reward, right? So, um, and then like, you got to hang out with the teacher. So now the teachers would talk to you more like, oh, you did a really good job. Or the gym teacher would talk to you more or your coach would talk to you more or you could strategize with the coach now about the field hockey game or whatever. So I really liked, um, I really liked that, you know. A lot of like growing up in a small town in Canada as well and when you're doing sports, um, a big part of it becomes like your parents and your family because you got to be at 6 a.m. practices. You got to get there. Were they driving you and supporting it a lot as well? <laughs> I mean, this also, also in small towns like where I live, um, especially like the outdoor sports, yeah. you would just walk yourself half the time yeah. too. Yeah. So it's so funny. Like this just totally brought back a memory. Like mine was like the opposite. Like I feel like my mom like came to my sports, but like she wasn't like really watching. She was like, that's my daughter. But then like, but then she'd be like, so when's your race? I'm like, mom, I just won 800. Like. Did you not see it? They're like, what are you looking at? You know, or she'd be like, um, she would be like, oh, what's your next race? I'd be like 200 meter. And then she'd be like, how many laps is that? I'm like, it's half a lap. And you've been coming to track for the past four years. You know what I mean? So it was just like funny. Like she wasn't like really like into like, like she didn't really know what's going on. Maybe just not un understanding yeah. the sport. Or like after a basketball game, we'd lose by like a point or something. She's like, why don't you guys just score like one more? <laughs> then you guys could have been tied. I'm like, well, we were trying. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just, much easier said than Yeah. So just, but like, it was so funny. Like my mom refused to drive in snow. Okay. So I had basketball season and basketball in our school was like football. to like other schools, you know? So basketball was like a big deal. Like, you could be, like, drunk driving, cop will pull you over, and you'd be like, oh, basketball player, you have game this way? Like, you're good to get, like, it's, like, that type of town. How, what, what small, how, what was the population there? I don't know. Like, but like under my class, 10,000. My class, my graduating class was, like, 250. Okay, so probably 30,000. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, like, our town, like, basketball is huge. So, my mom, like, hated driving in snow. So, like, I don't know. She would, like, almost, like, use that drive, like, against me. Like, she'd be like... Like, right before I'd be going to basketball practice, I would be like, she'd be like, did you do blah, 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 like the cat litter box or whatever? And I'd be like, uh, can I do it when I get back? Was that an attitude? I'm not taking you to basketball. You know what I mean? Like, mm. she would, like, use that. I need. I hated it. Like, I hated it. I would never do this to my kids. But, like, she would, like, use it. Or if it would snow, she'd be like, I'm not driving in the snow, la, la. My coach had to sometimes pick me up because my mom, like, wouldn't drive me. Like, just childhood trauma right there but um but all, maybe living in that area the snow it, it's quite it can be dangerous as well i mean you get the black ice and we would get two inches oh, and she'd be like oh, i'm not driving i'm like i call my coach I'm like my mom's not driving she won't even drive in rain what, like what anything most, that's more than a one lane street she can't drive on i see even my i, I don't know what it was about back then even my mo mother yeah she could drive but she couldn't drive on the highway and yeah. my and my aunt doesn't even drive. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it could have been the cars back then. Think about them too. They weren't. I don't know. They weren't that. Safe. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like my mom. My mom's like homebody. Like my dad. Like he's he just kind of like goes with the flow. But like none of them were like crazy athletes. You what know were what they I mean? doing for work in this these smaller towns? Like so, my dad was just teacher. So he was like advanced biology teacher. My mom was just a stay at home mom. 
And then we were really fortunate. Like my grandpa had like land and, you know, which now that I'm in real estate, I'm like, it was probably like 10 bucks, but, uh, in Pennsylvania, (laughs) but, um, but anyway, like we had land, my grandpa like built them a house, like with my dad, like, so my dad and my grandpa built this house. And, um, so it looked like we had money because it was a really nice house, but it was really because like my grandpa built it. We didn't have like a house payment. So like we could use that money for other things, you know, but so we didn't have a mortgage. We didn't have any of that. So then we had like nice things, but like people always thought we were loaded, but like, it was just my dad that worked, you know, and we mm. weren't at all. But, um, but I think with inflation back then, you can get away with it. I think like 40 grand back then is probably equivalent to a million today. It was, yeah, no, it was back wild. then it was crazy. My, my father too, he, he worked, my mom didn't, but yeah. I mean, the cost of stuff back then was like ridiculous compared to what today yeah. is. I mean, in Especially the 1980s, you probably could have bought a house for 50 grand and it's I probably know. worth 3 million today. I know. For, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, we live in a much different. Uh, when I, okay. When I was like growing up, we have like this, this amazing neighborhood. It's like, um, called Locksmont. So it's like up on these rolling hills, you can see all of the Susquehanna river. Like it's like really, really expensive. Right. So I think these houses were like 900,000 to a million. Back right. Then. Yeah. Like when I was a little bit younger and we're like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And like, and I was like, what? But in my head, I'm like, oh, that would be impossible to buy a million dollar house. Now, like, my properties are like two and a half mil. And like, they're like the size of probably the garage of that mansion, you know? Like, it's just so funny. Um, it's just so funny, like, growing up and seeing like the mansions and now how much and how much real estate is in San Diego. Like, such a difference. I just saw this little post, uh, this meme or whatever. And it was like, the guy was like, oh, I'm just on my drive looking at real estate in Pacific Beach to see what I can afford. And then it shows, like, a lazy boy, like, on the beach at Pacific Beach. It. And then it showed, like, this little shed that was in, like, the backyard. Because it's insane expensive. In PB is insane. But how, how did you get into that? Because now you're you're talking about that that you're not waiting the extra four years to go to the Olympics. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is when you're getting into this real estate stuff. Yeah. Um, you have the option... To do whatever you want at this point, you can start another business, you can get into real estate, maybe stocks, uh, maybe go do a corporate gig. Why did you take the real estate route? Yeah, so it was, when was it? It was right after, oh, okay. So they added the Olympics in 2020, uh, my weight class, but I was already practicing MMA, right? So I was already practicing MMA for the, the last three years. So then um, I was just like, do I go back? Like, do I go back to boxing? So then I was just like, screw it. If I, like, everybody's calling me, like, old boxing coaches were like, dude, you could totally win this. Um, they're like, yeah, politics are going to be quite interesting because there's a new national champ for three years. And they're like, but you could totally beat this person and blah, 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 not to go into all politics, whatever. But, uh, but I was like, no, the politics are going to be so heavy. Like, I'm not going to do it, you know? And then I was just like, I hang up the phone, then I pick it back up. I was like, let's do it. So then, so then I went to, uh, went back to boxing. I didn't box for three years because uh, I was just focusing on like jujitsu, then kicking, and then I popped my knee out. That was like 10 months. And now I just came back to boxing. And then, so I went to Olympic trials and I won. So I won Olympic trials, and there's like three rounds of Olympic trials. So since I won the first one, I didn't have to go until finals. So then I went to finals, went all that. Long story short, 
I won all my fights. Current national champ wins all her fights. And then I had to beat the uh, the winner of the loser's bracket. Beat her, like, abs- In the U.S. There's U.S. on yeah, U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was, like, double elimination. So I won all my fights. She won all her fights. We, fin- we fight each other. The most boring fight ever. Just r- she ran away the whole time. And then just no action at all. Lefty. Didn't practice against any lefties. Back then, lefties were a problem for me. So then, um, so then, yeah. So then, I had to fight the winner of the loser bracket the next day. Beat her absolutely unanimously. Like, just beat her unanimously. Like, face didn't get touched once. Mine didn't. Um, my coaches were like, oh, it's a clean win. Like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, it was an amazing win. And then they gave it to the other girl. Why? To kick me out so that because the next day I would be fighting that national champion again because it was double elimination. What what's the point? What what was their motivation to do that? So I didn't get another opportunity to beat out their national champ. They they don't they didn't want you there. There's a reason. Well, it's political. That's politics. So as in the other girl might have <laughs> had that on her side, her advantage. There's somebody in her back pocket. So like. If somebody's a current national champ, I've seen it with my own eyes. Okay, I get it. I was on Team USA. I've seen my teammates lose hardcore. But because they were on the team for like three years, two years, 10-year national champ, whatever, if a new chick comes and beats them, they're like... Maybe they've invested in so much exactly. on, them on the social media side, building them up. There's it's not even just social media. It's just like, well, they know that person. They know they're serious in training, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it was just unfo- or like they're younger. Or like, oh, this person's going to stay for the next Olympics. You know what I mean? So um, just very political. Um, but so after that, I was like, that's it. I'm like, I'm going to start. I'm like, I just got robbed again, you know, after two Olympics. And I'm like, you know, going for the Olympics. Um, I just felt in my heart that I was robbed. We'll just say that. Um, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to not work anymore. Like, I, I can't just keep relying on this fighting stuff, you know? Um, so then I was just like, I'm going to do my idea. So so then I, like, I did a commercial. I was doing, like, some modeling stuff, commercial stuff, and I got, like, a good gig, and I got a, lot, a, a good chunk of money. So I was like, okay, awesome. I'm going to use this towards my first um, property, right? So I, I didn't buy a property, but I did arbitrage. It's huge now. It's so annoying because, like, Five years ago, four or five years ago, like, nobody talked about arbitrage. But, but even before that, so you got your guys like Grant Cardone that are, you know, giving this advice and a lot of uh, social media players out there as well. What what was your influence to be like, you know what, I'm also going to go down that route of getting into real estate? So, no influence at all. It was just by experience. Um, I lived in PB, and when I was on Team USA, um, I, okay, when I first moved to PB, I actually moved into someone else's place, right, and rented a room. I was like 24. PB being Pacific. Pacific Beach, yeah. So, so when I moved there, I I lived in someone else's place. And then, like, I made the room, like, my own. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then two months later, the guy that rented me the room was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I just broke up with my girlfriend. I'm coming back. And I'm like, what? And then I was like, I thought I just signed a year lease. He's like, well... Yeah, if I was going to stay with my girlfriend, I was like, he's like, you just sublet it. I'm like, you never told me this was a sublet. And then, so yeah, so I got kicked out. So I was like, I'm never going to put myself in that situation again. I'm going to get myself like a three-bedroom place or a two-bedroom place. And I was younger, and this was when I first started boxing. So I was just like, well, 
if I get a three-bedroom place, then I can, the rent will be cheaper. So I'm going to get a three-bedroom place. So I got a three-bedroom place. I was like, I can't afford at that time to get a three-bedroom place, and then I need roommates. How am I going to find roommates? So I'm like, at, I'm like, I'm like looking up three bedroom apartments in PB and I'm putting a fake post on Craigslist being like looking for roommates in a three bedroom, three bath house, you know? So like all these people are messaging me like, Hey, when can I come see the place? And I'm like, I don't even have a place yet, but that's so I'm hurry up and I'm like interviewing all these landlords looking at their places. They're like, who are your roommates? Yeah, I have two roommates. You know, I'm just like playing both sides. So then, yeah. So then I, I finally met these two guys, um, separate interviews and, they're like, yeah, are we going to meet at, at the place? And I was like, no, it's me at a coffee shop. And, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. They thought like safety purposes. So then I'm like, you just have to trust me. I'm getting a three-bedroom place. Like, just trust me. Like, but I need your name to be like on the lease, like to get this. So I found these two guys. One was like a minor league baseball player guy. And then the other one was like an engineer student. So like, it was perfect. Like they trusted me. I was like, look, I'll furnish it, blah, blah. So then we all moved into this three-bedroom place. So rent was like cheaper. And then whenever someone would move out, I would be like, I think I could raise the rent a little bit, you know, because I see what the market rate is. So I would raise the rent to that room. So you have control of the lease, yeah, essentially. Yeah, okay. so I paid the full the full rent, right? So is so, it like you're, you're, you're paying the full rent and you're renting to them? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. So then they would move out and I wouldn't even put their names on the lease, um, you know, but it would be my responsibility if someone didn't pay. So it's like a little bit risky. So then whenever, then the next roommate moved out like a year and a half later or whatever. So when they moved out, then I raised their rent by like 200 bucks. So then I got the next tenant obviously paying extra rent. So I kept doing that for, I lived there for like seven years or something. And none so, of this, it doesn't sound that planned. It kind of just, you went with the flow, meaning like, yeah. wait a minute, someone's left. All right, let me raise it up. Yeah. And then it just kept snowballing. Yeah. So, so yeah. So like that kept happening every like whatever, six months, four months, like somebody would, you know, go move in with their girlfriend or something. So I'm like, all right, so I get a new roommate, raise the rent or whatever. Or somebody would be moving back to the East Coast. When they would leave, I'd raise the rent. So it just kept going like that. And then uh, I was just like, man, there's like a market for um, furnished housing, you know? Like there's so many people that were reaching out to me, even at the higher rent prices. So then, um, so that's what I did. Like my whole fight career, which made me not pay rent. And then... Uh, I remember on a couple of the properties that cause I would always get three bedrooms. Um, I would actually make money. So my rent was free and I would make like an additional three, 400 bucks. And I'm like, there's like a, a business model for this, you know? Um, and then even when I, I moved to Orange County, my first year of MMA, I moved up there to train up there. Um, I did the same thing. I got a three bedroom place, found people that wanted it fully furnished. They paid a way extra. My rent was free and I made like 400 bucks. So so that really helped me my whole fighting career um, was doing that type of business model. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't come from a rich family. I'm like, how on earth could I get properties? Like, I just wish I could get a whole apartment building. And they just trusted me that I was going to fill everything and that I could give them what they wanted, but then I would profit. So then I remember there was like a little studio across the street and it was for rent. And then I said to my friend, I was like, you should rent this. Like, it's really nice. It's right on the water and it's really cheap. It was only like 1300 bucks. And then we go inside, we look at it, and they were like, oh, this place is like a crap hole. And then I was just like, this is a gold mine. Like, this is like right on the water, right on the park. Like, this is amazing. So so I was like, if you don't rent it, I'm going to rent it. So I rented it, put my name on it, and 
I totally remodeled the whole place. Like, it was a crap hole. I put granite countertops. I put backsplashes. I did, like, vessel bowl sinks in the bathroom. I put, like, new laminate flooring down. I painted, like, old gross cabinets. Like, I caulked every crack. I You're doing this all on your own. All on my own dollar. So it was, like, a little bit risky. But I had, like, a big check from, like, a modeling thing. So I was like, all right. Like, I feel confident that, like, I can pay the deposit. And if I didn't have a renter for a year, I could afford it. And... I can pay for, you know, as long as I do all the upgrades myself. I was finding, like, like homeless guys on Craigslist to, like, like cut the granite for me, like, out of their back of their van and, like, just, like, crazy stuff. And then, like, uh, like this one guy, like, he was homeless, and I was like, I'll let you live here if you work for me for, like, X amount of dollars an hour, you know? And he's like, all right, you know? Cause, so it was, like, crazy, like, to start It didn't turn into, like, a meth lab at any point. Maybe. <laughs> Questionable. Questionable. <laughs> it's questionable. possibly it was. <laughs> it was. Like, we saw a shoe cleaner. I'm like, what? This guy's definitely not buffing his shoes, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, this guy doesn't have shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I was like, his shoes aren't leather. Like, what is he buffing? So, yeah, yeah. questionable. I could write a book about my my real estate journey for sure. It'd be called, like, Craigslist, you know? <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah. So then, so I remodeled that whole place. Um, I like built, like learned how to build like really cool furniture. Like I was like getting furniture from Craigslist back then. Now there's offer up and then like remodeling, like repainting it, doing all this stuff. And then I would charge, like, I'd be like, mm, let's see if I can get 2,400 and then boom, I would get like 50,000 people responding for a thousand dollars more. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm making a thousand dollars a month. And I would do short term. So it would be like two months or three months. So then when they stopped, I was like, okay, I had so many people that wanted it for 24 when I'm only paying 13. Let's see next month. I'm going to put it up to 3,300 a month. And then I still got tons of people responding. I'm like, oh, but that's exactly what I did with the rentals, right? So for the rooms, I would see how far I could push it. And I would raise it like 100 or 200 or whatever. Were you analyzing the market or just yeah, kind of guessing? Yeah, the whole time. The whole time You're that I was- You're at least checking similar- Well, no, the whole time that I was renting out the rooms, you know- that I was living in the property, I was I was always like pushing the meter, you know, and okay, seeing how so high. Okay, so no matter what, the you would always live in the property and then rent out these rooms, so you had a yeah. little bit of control. So, it, so well, I had control. Yeah. That's how I was educated on like all oh, of what prices to charge. But the studio that was across the street, I didn't live in that one, of course. Um, but I was able to see like, okay, well, I see what it's going for. I looked at the market, so that's why I charged twenty three. But then mine was so nice. I was like, I think I could charge 33. So now I was profiting like 2200 at, at what age were you at at this point? Or what year was this? This was 2019. So, so quite recent, just yeah. getting into the game. Yeah, dude. I, I could write a book about how I went from like zero to like yeah. over a million in like it goes, it goes years. It was insane. How long did it take until you, and, and talk about that part of the story, your yeah. first rental property in which you actually purchased. Yeah. And maybe even working, I don't know how detailed you can get, but... I'll understand it, and hopefully my audience is educated enough. I think they are. Yeah. Understanding, like, um, the, the financial side in terms of, like, the mortgage rate you're getting and what you yeah. had to kind of put down because that's where a lot of people, they look at the real estate space and they just think, oh, I got zero, so I, I, this will never work for me. But Yeah, well, you, if you have zero, it's absolutely not going to work for you in San Diego. Maybe somewhere else, but, um, but like, what? so what I had to do because I had zero – I had to use other people's properties. So I was like, okay, so the only way that I could create a legitimate business as doing this, what they call these days, arbitrage, 
um, which is arbitrage is you're taking on someone else's property. You're having an agreement that you are giving me permission to sublease, right? Um, so, but in the beginning, I was just like, no one's going to trust me because I don't have a portfolio. I can't be like, well, I've been doing this since I was, you know, like you can't do that. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to do like four kind of under the table um, of figuring out like, okay, can I do this? Can I create a portfolio to show landlords, look, I have four properties. Like this is the before, this is the after. It's on my dollar. Um, it's free property management. Blah, blah, blah. I got a whole pitch. And then, so then I was ballsy enough to be like, okay, this one's filling, so I'm going to take another one. And then I filled that one. I furnished it, fixed it up. Boom, it filled. I'm like, Paul, I'm like, should I take another one? No lie. There was like a for rent sign in the trash of like the one I just did construction of. And I was like, this is God telling me I'm doing another one. So then I did another one and another one. I was probably at like six properties, right? Um, so I was like, now I can actually go to landlords and be like, hey, I have a portfolio of six Here's the videos, before and afters, blah, blah, blah. So then when I did that, then a landlord would be like, you know what, I'm going to give you all three of my properties. So then they give me three. So now I had like nine. And I was like, holy crap, this is insane. Then I would go to another landlord, and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, I love what you did. And they're like, what's the catch? I'm like, nothing, it's free to you, blah, blah, blah. Had this whole pitch. I'm like, I'm on Team USA, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then um, I was like, yeah, going out, going after MMA, blah, blah, blah. So, like, then they could trust me. They could see the check mark. They could see my Wikipedia. They could see that I was, you know, driven. And um, so then they'd give me their property. And then that person would tell their friend that, and it just kept growing, right? So then I got, like, all the way up to, like, I don't even know, like, 25 properties. Mm. All of not mine. None were pure, mine. Pure arbitrage. Just pure arbitrage. Like, I would pay a landlord, like, 2500 and then I would charge, like, 5500 or 7500 or I would make the attic a bedroom. Um, I would make the attic a bedroom and make it really nice. And then I would rent out the attic. Mm. Or like there was a room that had French doors and I would like frame it off, make that a bedroom. So it was insane. So I was making a lot of money. So then that's how, so I didn't have zero. So I was able to buy a property in PB because I saved a lot. Yeah, you're growing that capital. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, to get a property, like you'd have to have a down payment. Yeah. You know, I'm sure like if you're like, Usually it's like what, 20, 25% in the US? Um, well, sometimes on your first home, I know there's a lot of good deals so on say, your first home. The, do, do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you have to go to the bathroom? I can tell sometimes. Hong uh, Hong Nam. Oh, no? Okay, I wasn't sure. I thought you were, I thought you were sick. Usually I can read. I'm like, something's not right. You're, you're okay? I'm okay. The cameras are okay? Okay, sorry, we'll, we'll continue. I thought, I thought our production guy might have had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Just jumped in quick. Um, so now, okay, let's go back to that. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I think he might have to go to the bathroom. Um, so you're, you're rolling this over. You're making it from the arbitrage, which is kind of yeah. building your capital and your portfolio. And that's, yeah. that's what you're getting into that part of the story, which is going to be your initial to yeah. purchase your first home. Yeah, yeah. So I saved a lot of money. Um, and then there was this one property that I was arbitraging uh, managing, I was man managing, um, two of the three units on the property. Uh, one was a three bedroom, one bath house, and the other one was a studio. Um, and then in the back there was a studio, but that, that person lived there for like six years. So I didn't manage that one. But, um, so when I took on that property, the owner was like, yes, you can manage both. So I did. And it was like total slumlord, like just really, they didn't upkeep it at all. They even lowered the price 
to like, before they rented it to me, he lowered the price a thousand dollars because he didn't feel like fixing it up. So then he told the tenant in the back, like, Hey, you post this for rent at this price. And, um, like you fill it. And then he's like, are you sure you want this price? There's going to be thousands of people reaching out. And I was one of those thousands. But then that guy recognized my name because he's a boxing fan. And he emailed me out of like thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I saw Daniel Wolf. And he's like, you're the boxer. I see you at the gym training. A lot. And then uh, I was like, thank goodness. You know, like if it was all for something. If there it, it is. For this, yeah, yeah. I didn't get to go to the freaking so, so Olympics twice. So it finally twice, pa- it paid but, off. At yeah. the end, it definitely paid off. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so then, so I managed that property for him. I put so many hours into it. Like. Oh my gosh. Like just like all my hands and knees mulching, weeding, painting. I went through like 30 tubes of caulk, you know, to like caulk cracks, like over 30 tubes. That's insane. Like that, if anyone knows what that is, like that's insane. Like, so like I fixed up the whole property. It was so old, but like I fixed it all up and then, but I was making so much money on this property. I was making like 16,000 at that time. It was like a lot. Um, uh, or how, no, 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 12,000, 12,000. How many, uh, it's how many rooms are built? So like the guy wanted like, I don't know, let's just say 2000, mm. um, for like the house. And I was making like 7,200. Okay, so it's, it's an entire house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an entire house. So like he wanted 2000, I was making like 7,200. And then the studio, he wanted like 1100 and I was making 4,000 almost, you know? So, um, and then I know how much I can get for the back studio if I were to buy it. So then I'm like doing the numbers and I was just like, okay, wait a second. So if I could make four, four, and seven, and then and then I did this crazy thing. I built like whole ADU and bathrooms, like once I bought it, but uh, which added another four thousand. But I was just like, if I would build an ADU, build this, do this, do this, I could make eighteen thousand. And if I could make eighteen thousand, and then it's you know, um, I thought it was gonna be twenty percent down, but my first loan was only fifteen percent down, and I was lucky enough, like I said, to buy it in March. What we were talking about earlier. Um, and that interest rates were only at like 3.5. So thank goodness. Like that's like my retirement, you know, um, not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm never, I'm never touching. I'm never getting rid of it. But, um, and and they signed you to a 30 year at 3.5. 30 year fix. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Insane. Insane. Someone's someone, uh, messenger on the podcast. There's someone from real estate watching this. Yeah. Insane. So, um, but anyway, yeah. And then, so I was managing that. So I did numbers. I was like, oh my gosh, like. I could pay a mortgage instead of just paying this guy rent, you know? So I said to the, the owner, um, I was like, if you ever want to sell this sometime, like, please give me first shot, you know? And he's like, well, like his mom was in hospice. Like the mom was like the real estate mogul. Um, so he was like, well, she's in hospice, which isn't good. And he's like, so um, if anything ever happens, like I'll let you know first. So then he did, like he did stick to his word, which was really cool. Um, and he let me know first and like that property, it could have sold for like 2.2. Um, so it could have sold for a lot more, but he gave me an amazing deal, like 1.725 and then interest rates were low. So, I mean, you have a mortgage that's at like, you know, seven seventy five hundred a month, you know? So then everything is, you know, so it's pretty crazy. It's crazy. So as long as you fix up your places, like really nice, like I told you, like I was making the outdoor areas, like very Tulum style, but like everything I get is like, you know, I'll find like really high quality, like wood furniture. I'll redo it, restore it myself. Like seriously, it could be its own reality show. You know, it's just like an HTV show. It's like, we're going to get this house. And like, instead of like spending 
half a mil to remodel it. We're going to just like knock this wall down, do vaulted ceilings, which all you have to do is knock the ceilings down. We're going to keep the beams. Like everything's going to be original. Like you can do stuff so affordable, you know? Yeah, Instead but you got to roll up your sleeves too. Cause oh, I mean, yeah. The, oh, my gosh. The cost of you having to pay, let someone else do that, yeah. that it doesn't even, now it's not going to no. make sense. Like you, like that one property I did, that would have been probably half a mil. Yeah. And I did it in like, 70,000. How much time did you put into it? Like if you're to really count your time. So the one property was probably 24 seven for three and a half months. Okay. But yeah, but my builder friend was like, I would have taken a year and he's like, and I would have charged half a mil. How were you working like 24 seven? So you're not going to, that was your, I I didn't train this whole, the whole, the whole year. So this whole year I took off 24 seven. You know, people like, Oh, why aren't you training? Oh, you quit. I'm like, okay. Like, well, I have like bigger fish right now to fry and to do this and to save half a million dollars, I'm going to do it yep. myself. So I was like the GC. So I hire all the workers, all the laborers, and then I pick up all the materials, like just crazy stuff. I mean, like you're renting these huge trucks and just like, you know, $6,000 worth of lumber, like building decks and pergolas and all that stuff. And like, like, and you're learning as you go, you're like, oh, I'm going to cut this and boom, all the wood falls down. And then you realize you're like, this wasn't the wood I ordered. Now you got to put all the wood back up, like going like, what the heck? Like just so many crazy stories. And you get like great workers and you get crazy workers. And then like, I mean, it's in, like it seriously could have been a reality show. But now it's all, it's all up and running. It's operational. Everything. Yeah. Every, all, all seven of my, of my units are like amazing. Like I have all the video all tours. Out. Yeah. All rented out. And then I arbitrage 13. So I still have 13 properties that other people gave me. Um, so yeah, I have 20 properties now that I run. How, how much time do you need to kind of put into that on the management side per day? Like you're put, even from here in Thailand, you, yeah. you, you, I mean, you got to get on the phone at least, well, I guess the time zone difference between here and LA sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like, if I want to go to bed at nine, it's like, I can yeah. only talk to people like nine to 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And then when I wake up, everybody wants to chat from like seven to 10 AM <clears throat> or seven to 9 AM. Well, at least in Thailand, like, because I get up early. I'm up at 4.35 just mm-hmm. naturally. So it depends, like, how you're getting your sleep. Yeah. But it's always getting up earlier will definitely align better back to the state. Yeah. But it's tough because I want to go to bed early. But then everybody's messaging me at 10 yeah. p.m. And I'm like, if I'm waking up, like, because right now I've been waking up at 6 a.m. every day. Um, I just, like, locked into this sleep schedule. Usually I'm a night owl, and I sleep mm-hmm. till like, 8.30 or 8. But, like, now I've been waking up at, like, 6 or 5 a.m. every single day. Um, I, I'm, that's like a whole other discussion. Like, do I want to be a morning person? And now I'm trying out the morning person thing for the past two weeks. And I'm like, I'm like, I wake up at like six when normally I like to wake up at eight, but when you wake up at eight, you can stay up till midnight and you get a lot of stuff done, you know, and like, it's quiet and still, and then you wake up at eight and then you feel good all day. I don't need to nap. But if I wake up at six, then I have to go to bed like freaking like 10. Yeah. You know, or like, or I wish I would wake up at six, but then I'll wake up at five thirty or five. So then you have to go to bed at nine and then you have to take a nap at like 1230. Like I'll, I'll train, I'll train like seven to like eight thirty AM. Okay. And then like, I'll eat something and then I'll like zone out for like 30 minutes watching cat videos and then, and then I'm just like, 
do I have to go to sleep right now? I'm like, what is wrong with me? It's only 1230. And then I'll like fight it till like one. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go sleep. And then I go to sleep. So I'm like, I'm losing an hour and a half anyway. Mm-hmm. So I might as well stay up till 12, which is what I like to do. And then wake up at eight. Cause I'm, or like, I was like, oh, I'll be a morning person. All the billionaires are a morning person. Mm-hmm. But then I wake up at, at five or six, but then I just have to take a nap. See, that's why we, that's why I take cordyceps. This shit is, it, it, everyone is, uh, a lot of the people, especially at Bangtao, then, cause I'll, I get the same problem. Like I'll train in the morning. I don't eat till 12 or one, but then when I eat, I want to sleep right after, mm-hmm. but I'll take cordyceps and it kind of just hits you again and you get like another wave and you just bypass it. Yeah. And then, but by like nine o'clock, nine thirty, like my brain just shuts off. And, yeah. And but I'm, see, like before, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm like made for mornings because like. I feel mm. like my brain is like a little bit like, like woozy, but like waking up this early. Like I don't feel well, it depends. that smart. <laughs> if usually night people, they're more cat people than dog people. Oh yeah. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I like both. Okay. So yeah, there you go. I like both. I think they're both funny, but yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like when I sleep till eight, like I'm good. I'm good all day. Don't need a nap. And then man, I'm like sharp. I'm with it, you know, but I feel like. Waking up so early, I'm not like droggy. Like when I wake up, I'm like, yeah, you know, like and I'm training. Like eyes aren't puffy or anything. I'm good. Uh, well, since I've been out here, how much coffee are you drinking? Zero. You don't drink any coffee? No, no oh, caffeine. Wow. I don't drink any caffeine. I don't take supplements. I don't take vitamins. Nothing. I live on like eggs, spinach. Now out here, I have chicken and sweet potato and brown rice. Yep. Which I love. You know, I hate America's chicken breast. Like our. Chicken breasts are, like, this thick. But, like, out here, the chicken is this thin. Yep. And I love it. I would eat chicken all the time. I never eat chicken in the U.S. Because it's, like, this thick. And it's just, like, ugh. But out here, it's thin. I love it. I could eat it. I eat it every day. Yeah, I don't time. know if it's how much, uh, you know, GMO is involved with it over here. A are lot they of just it is slicing very it or what? What are they doing? Well, I don't think it so it's all jacked cuts. up on steroids, like, back home. I think you don't know what's going on in the chicken farms. There's a lot of mouths to feed back there, right? um here here a lot of it's local too that's what's like with thailand like everything is not yeah. coming from that far away like there's pig farms that are yeah five minutes away there's chicken farms half a lot of the eggs here like that if you really wanted to get fresh eggs you don't mm-hmm. need to go to the market yeah. you can kind of just go to these like wet markets around here so everything's quite quite fresh and quite local yeah um the chicken i see i prefer to get like the whole chicken yeah. i like chicken on the bone yeah. Something about chicken breast always tastes a bit rubbery to me. The thick ones, I think. Yeah. I like the thin ones. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. I think we went over an hour. See, it goes. We didn't so talk about UFC or anything. We, we <laughs> didn't get to it. We'll have to do. It. Let's see. Joey's probably here. Joey, are you here? Joey, oh, see, she's here. <laughs> um, what time is it? Three twenty. We must have done an hour. See, it goes too fast. Um, we talked but, about real so, estate. I guess, well, you'll, I'm assuming you'll be back I've, at some point. I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm in Thailand. I found my little base. Um, we're in the midst of we're moving this whole studio and we're getting a villa. So uh, maybe next time you'll, you'll come to the, the, the villa studio. Yeah. We're building yeah. it all out. We'd love to have you back. Um, I think I, I'm assuming. So you're let, let's we'll, we'll tar- try to touch on this quick just before we jump out of it. Yeah. Why you're even in Thailand. We didn't even talk about any of that. <laughs> um, w- let's try to talk about that part quick before Joey kills me over there. Um, you're, you're, so you're in Thailand now. You're, you're here for training. 
But that part of the story, have you come here just to kind of get some R&R and escape that? Or what, what was the whole purpose of coming over here? Or are you training for a fight? Yeah, so, um, like, as you know, I won Dana White's Contender Series. Um, and then after that, um, had an injury, um, tore uh, my UCL in my arm. So I had to recover from that. And then once I recovered, then Dana gave me the fight on the Nate Diaz card, <clears throat> which was last September. So then I uh, went into that first time ever. So again, in the UFC with one fight. <laughs> so it was like very like, whoa, this is this is crazy. Um, but it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. Everyone's like, oh, you need more experience. And I was just like, dude, like you only live once. Like you're not going to die. Like just, you know, it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm down for any challenge. You know, I started boxing with no experience. Boom, made national champion, traveled around the world, nonstop champion. Um, Went to Contender Series on TV, zero fights. You know what I mean? Like, won my first fight. Um, you know, was on the Nate Diaz card, biggest card of, like, the year. Um, and, yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for it, you know. Um, I think it was a really boring fight. I mean, like, nothing happened. And uh, I learned so much, though. I learned so much, like. Uh, I thought it could be an hour of a talk, but but, but do you think you're going to do it again? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, but then, like I said, during that camp, like I mean, I was cutting weight in a sauna, like a sauna suit, like just zipped up, like mm. this, like in escrow. So, you're, like, you're, are you calling? Cutting, you're cutting hard to featherweight. Oh yeah, yeah. And because now I'm bigger. When I when I started doing MMA, man, I got so much bigger, like more muscles, like. Because boxing is just like blah 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 blah, and then you're like running all the time and like blah 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 blah. From the wrestling, maybe. Yeah, like but, like, just, pooling yeah. and pushing, like, just, like, all that, you know, burpees, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah, so just, uh, I just think, like, my whole life, I was never, like, lifting stuff. I was never lifting weights. So I was always just running, sprinting, boxing, all cardio, cardio, cardio. So then when I started doing MMA, like, my body, like, I've been, like, built and jacked since I was, like, six. Like, if you see, I think I have a picture on my Instagram when I was six. I Same build, but, like, six, you know? You were like, oh, were you a gymnast? Like, no. Did you swim? No. Like, I was just jacked, like, always, because I was just so active. Um, but anyway, yeah, but so if I do, like, the lightest weights, like, I'll gain muscle. You know, I'll get, like, huge, you know? Um, like, right now, I'm pretty big, like. So you're, but, you don't want to be lifting weights? So. No, no, no. I can't lift weights. Like, if I see someone lifting weights, I gain, like, three pounds of muscle. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't lift weights. But, um. But anyway, I like to do, like, F45-type style stuff, like combat conditioning, like, just very, like, cardio-based. But uh, but anyway, where was I? Where was I? So, now, you're talking now getting, you're going to be, you're, are you oh, here Oh, yeah, so I was cutting weight. Next? Yeah, yeah, so I was cutting weight for that fight. Yeah. So, I was cutting weight pretty hard. I was in escrow for that property. I did the fight, boring fight. Definitely going to be different next time. Uh, after that fight, then I came back and went straight into construction for this whole year. So, for the, the three properties, took me uh three and a half months then i took off for christmas for like two weeks and then jumped right back into construction on the first property uh built out whole adu everything that was four units so that took four months and then boom here we are mm -hmm. so um so yeah i'm appreciative they have been patient with me and everything but i had to take those opportunities that was once in so, a lifetime so the ufc knows they're they're yeah. waiting you haven't signed any contracts or at least you're not allowed to announce it yet or yeah yeah no 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 so so now like i've learned my lesson um to just be like okay get back into training get in shape figure out like who's working with you get your drilling partners round up you know what i mean because i used to think the opposite i used to be like okay i'm gonna announce the fight like to my like 
you know, teammates and stuff to get everybody on board that way, right? Because um, that's like the only way sometimes to get people on board, you know? They, they want to know something's in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like with me, there's always something in the pipeline, you know? It's like, well, if you're in the UFC, something's always in the pipeline. Right. You need to be, you know, training. But some people, they kind of need that fire under their butts to be like, okay, like, yes, I know you have like eight, 10-year-old fights this weekend, but we have a fight coming up in like three months. So like we need to like get in the schedule, you know? So, so it's difficult. And then people have jobs, you know, and then people, you know, they're personal trainers or they run a gym and, you know, so it's tough. It's tough to get in people's schedules, but, um, so the UFC, when you signed the, they signed you like, uh, like a three contract deal and then they, they will offer you the fight every, and you have to decide whether you take it or yeah, you kind of just, from my experience, like you just tell them like, Hey, I'm ready. Okay. All right. And then they'll be like, all right, two months or three months from yeah. now. Yeah. So, um, so no, I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. And I think they understand, like, I'm going after more than just fighting. Like, I... What, what do you think is happening in that, that division? Because it's... The division's quite quiet. I mean, Amanda's retired. She came up. Uh, Cyborg was there. But there's not... It's... How, how often there's featherweight fights? It's, it's got to be maybe once every three or four yeah. months. There's not, there's not a big talent pool of featherweight fighters. Yeah. So... Before we wrap it up on that side, because I could talk about that for an hour, um, the the whole featherweight pool and and even what's your 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 goal right now is it you know what I just want to do a couple fights or do you have dreams and aspirations going for the featherweight belt? Yeah, no, I I I definitely know I can get the featherweight belt. Here we uh, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I came back here uh, to Thailand just pretty much to just get excited again. You know what I mean? Because sometimes like back home, you can get sleepy. Like I said, like. Unless you have a fight, like, on the books, like, it's hard to get people together. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Thailand. It's going to be kind of, like, just a reminder of, like, how much I love the sport. You know, I, I love it out here because of how active everyone is. Like, I mean, you walk into Tiger, it's not sleepy. You know what I mean? There's, like, 500 people, like, just getting after it. Like, I just love that energy, you know? Mm. And it's just, like, all the time. Like, if you're like, hey, I want to train today at, like, freaking 7 a.m., and I want to train at 12, and I want to train at 3, and I'm going to go shadow at 6, like, you can't, you know? Like, back home, it's like, is anybody showing up to pro class today? You show up, there's, like, two people. Like, hey, can I get in your schedule? Oh, no, I'm training, like, like 10 kids, and, you know, cause, you know, like, or somebody has a fight this weekend. Like, so it's just tough, It's hard to know? get into the rhythm yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I want to come out here. I want to get into that rhythm. I want to get into that rhythm, and then, you know, when I go back, I'm going to try to find the same rhythm, you know. Um, it's so important. Like, so so now that I don't work all the time, like, before, like, I'd be on the treadmill, like, on the phone working, you know, like, just trying to set up where I'm at now, right? So I was just always on the phone. Like, right after practice, I had to jet, you know. I yeah. was present at practice. Like, I was, like, killing it, whatever, at every practice. Checking the phone between sessions, like, sets. <laughs> at the end. I do this all the for time. For my fight, for my fight, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Like, because yeah. I was in escrow. And then you get... You, you, you end up working out, but you leave and you're like, did I even work out? What's just, what, yeah, what even happened? That's how I, I get I this drive. at the gym all the time where it's like, I'll get to the, you know, you get to the gym and you're like, okay, hey, I just need to clear this stuff. And then like, you're on your phone for 30 minutes clearing shit. Yeah. And you're like, Fuck, I've been here like an hour. What's going on? Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's when you get so passionate about something, like you're in your real estate. Yeah. Pulling your, like for me to pull myself away from here to go to the gym, I have to, I want to. But it's so difficult. I'm like, yeah. but I have so much shit to do. Yeah. I'm sure you, you understand what I mean. Yeah. That. But see, but now I got my business to a point where I can okay. walk away, which that was my goal. So like now I'm excited to like go back to San Diego, which I've never been in San Diego yet like this. 
that I can like go to training now and then I can like hang out for like a little bit afterwards. You know what I mean? Like before I'd be like, all right, see you guys. Like I would go in do my work, you know, hard, hard, hard. But then I would be out, you know, um, because I had to work, you know, it's not like I don't like my teammates or I don't like to like mingle or I don't like to whatever, but like, I just had to go to work. You know, I had to work all the time. Um, but now like I can be retired and, and focus on, training full-time you know of course I have debt I have to pay off because I did probably five years worth of work in one year you know so so yes I'm like pretty much bankrolling every single month for the next you know half a year but the machine's running itself yeah yeah but now it's it's good um I do want to do a couple things on the admin side like um like a website and stuff and then con and then it's just easy stuff you know like before i was like it's all physical hard labor you know like i had to leave so i could go do this and la 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 and like pick up like 50 sheets of drywall and like like just crazy stuff you know but now it's like now all the hard work's done you know now it's just like i might have to take some emails some calls you know send my portfolio well, you can outsource if you yeah. got the cash flow you can outsource more, yeah. any of the digital stuff yeah um i mean especially now today when we have access to these things like your yeah. fivers and your up fiber i know just makes life easy yeah i mean you just sure. got to find the right people sure. but it takes time finding the right it people does. In those yeah, yeah you might go through oh i know uh 20 guys doing your instagram or whatever yeah. and yeah i might have to talk to you who does uh if you know any website guys from uh, fiber. there's a yeah there's a company in uh phuket but yeah. i'm doing like e-commerce now so yeah really 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 complicated because i feel like making videos and stuff like that fiverr fine but doing a website if you could just sit beside mm-hmm. someone you could kill it in a second and i already designed it all and like blah 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 but i have a small version of it already made yeah but now i need to put all 20 properties on it you know yeah what I, mean? I, I gotta uh I, I won't mention their name on this podcast yet <laughs> I'll let you know because I'm working with them and I don't yeah. want them to get flooded. Oh, let, yeah, let me yeah, finish yeah. with them first. No, I know exactly. You know what, what I mean? mean? It's like you give away the contact and the next thing you know, know. they kick you to the it's side. It's like my maid service. Oh. Like people are like, oh, what maid services do you use for all 20 of my properties, which need clean like every month? And then I'm like, you can't. I can't get I need that. them. I can't. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, because I did that. I did that one time to a maid and I got her so much business. And she was like, this one day, she was like, oh, you know, I was like, hey, can you clean blah, blah, blah? She's like, oh, we're loaded that day. I'm like, how are you loaded? Because before yeah, yeah. you would take stuff the same day and now you're like, lo- and I'm like, I want to help you, but you can't like help too much. Cause then they can't help you. Like, am I always going to be first on your list? If I'm going to help you, am I going to be first sometimes? Someone's <laughs> going to help bid you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you know off camera who those are. Uh, yeah. We'll wrap it up because Joey's Joey, you're still coming up here. Yeah. We got an, we got the president of Phuket coming <laughs> on. She's making her first appearance. It's been, we're on episode like 111. I've been trying to get Joey on since day one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not losing her down there. Okay, right before we wrap it up, it's a big thanks to Daniel for jumping on the podcast. I'm going to shoot it back to this camera here. If you can kind of just let everyone know uh, your socials, where they can find you, and I'll put all the links in the description. All right, cool. Uh, Daniel Wolf, uh, you can check me out at Daniel Wolf. It's D-A-N-Y-E-L-O-E, and then Wolf like the animal. On Instagram, uh, you can also check out my website, DanielWolf.com. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know what Twitter is or any of that stuff. So Twitter, TikTok. haven't, haven't, uh, got oh yeah, TikTok. We're, we're getting there. What is it? What's Twitter? Twitter's like, uh, Twitter's like, uh, Elon Musk. Owns oh, okay. Like little words. Like it's like, day, yeah, you're, you're posting your thought. It's, it's, it's Isn't news. Awful? It's news. It's uh, actually Twitter will become the biggest app in the world. Um, give it like another year. It's going to be the WeChat of, of USA. Okay. Because they're going to be bringing in payment systems. Well, mark my words, I am a tech expert. Everything I say comes true. <laughs> 
Twitter will be the biggest app because yeah, they're everything will move over for payment. Um, so you'll be using Twitter to like, we'll be able, it'll replace things like PayPal. It's all be going to come centralized. I won't go too into the deep with that. I truly believe Elon Musk is actually working for the government and he's placed in there. It doesn't make sense. A lot of it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. How the fuck can some billionaire guy buy the biggest social media platform and he hasn't been shot yet? He's, he's a plant. He's part of it all. Um, but <laughs> the Twitter space. Yeah. This will be the biggest tech app. Uh, give it a couple more years Man. once the pay he because he applied for the payment gateway stuff it's coming probably next year or the year after i can't even post on instagram i'm gonna start though i'm like i need like i haven't posted in a year you know oh. i post in my story sometime <clears throat> but i'm like you know what i have so much cool stuff to share like i just did the nepali coast hike in Kauai before i came out here that was like my getaway trip but like amazing photos from that i was like it was amazing hike 22 miles amazing um, but like the construction before and afters, training coming out here, blah blah blah. Like I should post. Like I have really cool stuff. We'll, we'll find just... we'll find find someone in Phuket for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, that wraps up another episode. We're out. We got the president of Phuket coming on. Let's go. Yeah.